Coming up on Philosophy Talk, freedom of speech on campus. These days, colleges are more sensitive, uh, more informed. They have more diverse voices, and they encourage these voices with safe spaces. Our student demands for safe spaces and trigger warnings, creating an atmosphere toxic to free speech. Did you know there are students who won't go into classrooms because they're afraid the lectures will upset them? How are we supposed to teach these students without frightening them? Do all viewpoints really have a place on campus? Aren't there some views that should never be given a platform? College students just want an experience that's free from emotional trauma, like seeing a white guy dress up as Stevie Wonder for Halloween. That costume is a hit every single year, and no blind person has ever complained about it. Shouldn't universities be a place to confront and challenge and not simply reinforce your existing ideas? Our guest is Greg Luciano, president of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Freedom of speech on campus. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Thanks to the rise of safe spaces, trigger warnings, and speech codes, some believe that free speech is under assault on college campuses. Should students be exposed to all ideas, no matter how offensive they find them? Or are there ideas from which students should be protected? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor, here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken and I teach philosophy. And John, many people think that the student fueled movement to, as they say, Scrub campus clean of words, ideas, and subjects that might cause discomfort or give offense, unquote, is leading to a crisis on our campuses. Well, I don't think that's the way the students put it. That misdescribes a movement that seems to me more of a correction than a crisis. Today, students are standing up and demanding respect in ways that students of the past seldom did. I applaud them. They're taking control of their educational environments. By yeah, maybe to a certain extent anyway, that's okay. By silencing unpopular ideas, though? John, don't you think they need to read a little John Stuart Mill? He said that without the free flow of ideas and the competition among them, we have no hope whatsoever of finding the truth. Well, Mill's claim that the pursuit of truth requires or benefits from all ideas getting a hearing, no matter how stupid they are, is overblown twaddle. It reduces the search for truth to a beer house brawl where anything goes. Well, well, but in the rough and tumble of the real world, outside the university walls, life is uh, like a beer house brawl at times. Outside the university, even hate speech is protected by the First Amendment. But colleges and universities are different. They're full of safe spaces. A seminar room is a safe space for intelligent discussion. A lab is a safe space for careful experimentation. They're devoted to teaching and learning and the discovery of new truths. That's why they celebrate reasoned argument and careful experiment, dispassionate inquiry, collaborative discussion, a willingness to learn. All those things are really good. I applaud all those things. But you know, John, there is this thing. You can't prepare students for life in the wider world outside the university if you're too focused on protecting them when they're in the university. Well, sure. But you don't prepare students by demeaning, disrespecting, and traumatizing them. Seriously, what purpose does it serve to expose students to every bit of offensive nonsense that some sexist, racist, or homophobic creep cares to spew? Well, I'm, not, I'm not advocating demeaning students. 
I'm talking about challenging them, John. Challenging students is fine, but you can do that without resorting to hostile, belittling language or subjecting them to microaggressions or even macroaggressions. John, you don't like an idea? Well, then refute it. Don't run away and hide in your safe space. Students who demand safe spaces aren't hiding from ideas. They're usually hiding from ideas they've heard ten times already. What are they doing if they're not hiding from ideas? Well, they're confronting hostile ideas on their own terms. It's the same with trigger warnings. If you're going to teach some controversial material that may trigger negative emotions in some students, what in the world's wrong with warning them in advance? What, what, so they can skip class or read something more to their liking instead? Well, maybe, but mainly so they don't feel ambushed by unsettling ideas, and they can prepare themselves to do Just like when I come in here Sunday, I, I have to prepare for all the offensive and uh, things you're going to say to me. Oh, but John, John. You know, once I do that, I'm fine. Okay, <laughs> but, but behind that thought is the presumption that students are these damaged and fragile things and that they need to be protected and coddled. Why presume that? Well, it's not coddling, whatever that might be. It's good pedagogy to make students feel safe, included, and empowered. It keeps them, it allows them to speak up and say there's peace. But you know what, John? The truth is not always safe. It's actually sometimes disconcerting. It's disruptive. and, And it's often the last thing that people want to hear. Look, I repeat, I'm all in favor of the no holds barred pursuit of truth. I'm not suggesting we restrict any kind of legitimate inquiry or discussion. But but who, that word legitimate, who decides what's legitimate? You? Me? The left? The right? Well, universities decide who to let in, who to hire, who to give tenure to. They make a lot of decisions based on what they think is interesting, legitimate inquiry. Students and faculty on campus should be able to investigate, think about, talk about, debate, or advocate any reasonable opinion whatsoever, as long as they do so in a respectful manner. Including students and faculty who endorse deeply unpopular ideas that run contrary to the prevailing, and you got to admit this, mostly leftist ideology on campus? Including those, yeah. So then why support safe spaces? And why deny controversial speakers even a platform, as you know that angry and aroused students often do? Well, can you keep missing the point? What can I do? I, I need a safe space. Maybe this will help. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to talk to a student activist and a Yale professor about their belief that quelling the right to protest is the real impediment to free speech. She files this report. In early 2017, journalist Milo Yiannopoulos resigned from his job at Breitbart News and got cut off from the conservative community when he condoned pedophilia. Before that happened, he had been on a speaking tour at public universities. When students protested, many called the protests an impediment to freedom of speech. The idea being, even if you don't agree with someone, that other person still has a right to speak on campus, and you shouldn't try to stop him. I think that's kind of a contradictory understanding of free speech. If uh, Miley Annapolis has the right to speak on campus, then we absolutely have the right to protest them. That's Mukund Rathi. He's a UC Berkeley law student and helped organize the university's protest against Milo Yiannopoulos, who's known for saying things like, feminism is worse than cancer, Muslims are gang rapers, and the Black Lives Matter movement is a hate group. About 2,000 people protested, and a small number became violent. But the majority, Rothy says, did not violate the First Amendment. I guess as a law student, it's worth just being very clear about what the First Amendment does and does not do. The only thing the First Amendment requires is that the state 
does not regulate free speech. And so to say that, like, because Miley Annapolis has some free speech rights as a private citizen, I am somehow obligated to not use my speech in response. I mean, that's ridiculous. And that, again, like, it goes completely contrary to the point of the First Amendment and to the point of a culture of free speech. And it's not the first time freedom of speech has come up on campus. During Halloween of 2015, a Yale staff member sent an email to their student body suggesting they be mindful of minority groups when thinking of costumes. Another Yale staff member responded by saying that was censorship. Black students and many others protested. Here's a video of an argument between Yale staff and an African-American student. These freshmen come here, they think this is what Yale is? Do you hear that? They're gonna leave, they're gonna transfer because you are a poor student of the community. That viral video was recorded by the CEO of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, Greg Lukianoff. John and Ken will be speaking with him after my report. Lukianoff argues that to adhere to student demands is to coddle them. His group argues keeping people like Milo Yiannopoulos off public school campuses is a direct violation of the First Amendment. Jason Stanley is a philosophy professor at Yale and the author of How Propaganda Works. Stanley doesn't think students are being coddled at all. The Yale student movement, which formed well before Halloween, was about changing the name of Calhoun. John Calhoun was a big slavery advocate and an anti-abolitionist. And reflecting more curricular diversity, changing syllabi, so that people of color, women, other voices are recognized as having a mind. How possibly does that have anything to do with free speech? After UC Berkeley canceled Milo Yiannopoulos' event on campus, President Trump, via Twitter, threatened to cut off funding from UC Berkeley for threatening free speech. Stanley says many groups are now flipping the term freedom of speech on its head, and it's part of a political agenda. The Trump administration is squarely going after universities, and they're using, quote, free speech, unquote, to do it. And we have to ask ourselves, is the Trump administration really such a friend of free speech? Look at their reactions to the press. Does that suggest they're so into free speech? I don't think so. Stanley says the benefit of calling students coddled and dismissing them as hindering freedom of speech when they're trying to exert freedom of speech through protest is social control. He says if students, usually minority students, don't have the right to protest people like Milo Yiannopoulos on their own campuses, that is definitely social control. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari.